Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. Mr. Kirk, I'm as upset as you to learn that you're two and three, but surely expulsion is not the answer. I'm afraid expulsion is the only answer. It is the opinion of the entire staff that Dexter is criminally insane. Same, same, same. One Hit Thunder producer Matt Kelly had to jump through countless hoops in his logic to justify us discussing Frontier Psychiatrist by the Avalanches on a podcast about One Hit Wonders. The biggest hoop being the song actually being a hit or at least being the artist's most popular song. Nevertheless, this haunting yet fun jam from this Australian duo definitely fits the mood of the season, so we're going to do an episode about it. Will we be strangely hypnotized by the song, or is Matt crazy in the coconut for suggesting it? Stay tuned to find out. And he also made false teeth. <laughs> All right, so the avalanche is Frontier Psychiatrist. Matt, I have no idea how this fits into our one hit wonder theme of this show maybe instead of calling this show one hit thunder we should just call it we're going to talk about a song because unless <laughs> so defend this to me how this is a very popular song but in my research it's not even the avalanche's most popular song so defend this choice to me all right so here's my defense of this choice <laughs> Um, like you said, it is a very popular song. They are technically, technically the avalanches is a one hit wonder. It's just that their only hit in the United States was a song called Frankie Sinatra that came out in 2015. And here's the thing. I've never heard that song in my fucking life, but everybody I know knows frontier psychiatrist and 
the bigger reason why I picked this, Halloween's like a week away. It just felt like an appropriate, like Halloweeny type song to to discuss a little okay. bit. That I, I'll let that slide because the main reason I'll <laughs> let that slide is because. I was not familiar with the Avalanches. Somehow, they've been around forever. Somehow, I wasn't familiar with them. And in my research for this episode, I've fallen in love. Not to spoil the end of this, but I love this. <laughs> I love this <laughs> duo of Robbie Cater and Tony DeBlossi. They're beasts. The first thing I thought of when I heard this song and dove in more to their catalog is like, oh, these guys remind me a lot of MGMT. And then I saw that they actually collaborated with them at some point on a more recent song. Yeah, this is awesome, man. Dude, their their list of like people that they collaborated with, or I guess more importantly, like the people that they opened for on tour is just like a hits list of Chris Fafios's favorite things. Cause it was like Beck, Beastie Boys, and Public Enemy were like just some of the early examples of people they played for. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, all right, perfect. Yeah, and I saw, you know, recently, like I said, they collaborated with MGMT with Leon Bridges. They have a song. I mean, they seem to be this thing. You know, sometimes music slips under my radar. I'm not proud of it. I like to know about everything. But regardless of whether this song is is a one-hit wonder or not. I'm glad I know about them now, so thanks for that, Matt. I, I try. Yeah, they and they started as a noise punk band in 96, which I think is kind of both like really fucking weird that that's their origins, but also completely makes sense that that's their origins right. at the same time. Yeah, it makes sense to me. And in my research of this, Matt, I also became familiar with a few new genres of music which i knew what they were before but never knew the word for it do you know what genre of music would you consider the avalanches i mean i don't know i feel like the stuff that i would compile them with would be a little bit like stuff that like girl talk and like super mash brothers would do but like to a much crazier extent i i read that like the album that this song comes off of their debut album since i left you was like compiled out of 3,500 different vinyl samples mm -hmm. mixed together into right. tracks. So it has to have something to do with like mixtaping or something like that. Have you ever heard of the genre of music called plunder phonics? No, but I like that name and that yeah. seems to describe it real well. Well, <laughs> like the term plunder phonics was coined by Canadian composer, saxophonist, media artist, and dancer. What a combo. <laughs> John Oswald, <laughs> which it's basically a genre in which tracks are constructed by sampling recognizable musical works. And not just musical works, but also heavy sampling of educational films, especially of the 1950s, news reports, radio shows, or anything with trained vocal announcers. And yeah, I have heard a lot of music like this over the years. It's sort of a sound collage, a lot of times very danceable. So Plunder Phonics is the genre that I think the Avalanches fit into perfectly. I would agree with that. How do you feel about the name The Avalanches? Because this was the fourth name they landed on. They were changing their name every show. Did you happen to take a look at what some of the previous names of their band were? I did not. Fill okay. Me in. So they played four shows under three different names before their fifth show where they landed on the Avalanches. And their previous names at those shows before they became the Avalanches were the Swinging Monkey Cocks, 
Quentin's Brittle Bones and Whoops Down Syndrome were the names of their bands before they landed on the Avalanches. I think they probably landed on the most marketable option of those I don't know. Quentin's Brittle Bones was pretty nice. But the Avalanches, yeah, I had no idea with a name like the Avalanches that they were going to sound like this. I was expecting, you know, it's a the band with an S at the end. You picture like a straightforward rock band is what I envisioned before I listened to them. Yeah, no, I could see that. And like, man, the, the usage of sampling, like what drew me in on this song the very first time I heard it is I'm a huge John Waters fan. Like John Waters is arguably probably in my like top five directors of all time. And the opening of the song is from a John Waters movie. So I immediately was like, mm. yo, that's from Polyester. And then that drum beat kicks in. I spent a very long time digging through the internet because I'm shocked that there are very few drum covers of this song because I feel like since the drum beat is such a steady beat throughout it, this is like a perfect song for like a drummer to just like go fucking wild on. Like you got a couple cool fills, but otherwise you're just like keeping tempo. So like I want, this is a call out to any of the listeners of the show who have like drumming YouTube channels. Take Frontier Psychiatrist and do something really fucking wacky with it. Just like nonstop fills. I I want that in my life. I'm going to try to convince punchline drummer Corey Muro to do that. I know he would rip it up. (laughs) Matt, this song also fits under the umbrella of Sample Dahlia. Have you ever heard of Sample Dahlia? No. It's a genre of music which uses samplers to expand upon the recording methods of 1960s psychedelia. Am I pronouncing that right? Psychedelia. Psychedelia. Listen, I stumble over a word every episode. You're allowed to have one yeah, every I like guess 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, it features disorienting, perception warping manipulation of audio samples or found sounds, you know, yeah. like plunder phonics, and it chops some loops, some stretches them and just creates cool music, you know? And I think one of those things that in very current terms would fit under this umbrella would be chill wave music. Okay. More specifically, Simpsons wave. Are you a fan of Simpsons wave music? Is Simpsons wave that all the samples are from the Simpsons? You haven't checked out the Simpsons no, wave? No, no, I Dude. apparently need to. Dude, Simpsons wave is, yeah, it's a combination of, it's chill wave music set to Simpsons samples. You got to go on YouTube and do a deep dive, man, because it'll it'll blow your mind because this stuff I'm talking, it's very, very popular. Obviously the Simpsons are very popular, but it is like the most moody, chill, vibey music you ever hear in your life. But it's set to very, sometimes very like um, deep quotes from the Simpsons or things that really like (laughs) put you in this like state of mind and the videos that go along with them. It's just amazing, man. You're, All right, well, that's what I'm doing when we're done recording. That's going to be like my background noise when I edit for a couple days. I can't believe <laughs> you didn't know about Simpsons Wave. I no, thank you. I taught you about the avalanches. You taught yeah. me about Simpsons Wave. This yeah. is perfect. Yeah, this is great. But, you know, the avalanches, they're an Australian electronic music group. As you said, they were formed in 1997. I guess they were a noise rock band before then, but maybe they became the avalanches in 97. They're from Australia, which... I don't know that I feel like this is an assumption or something, but anything I see out of Australia or New Zealand tends to be so creative, but in like a, like a subtle sort of way. Usually Australia, I feel like that whole continent is like this very, like it's rich with, with creative minded people. 
in a weird way because yeah. it's like you think about the people that came out of there and it's like even the horror scene splat stick pretty much like exploded in australia right like like sam raimi gets the credit for being like the creator of splat stick where your movie is so gory that it's almost a comedy but then like peter jackson just took that ball and ran with it for like three movies then he made the fucking Lord of the Rings after that. But then, yeah, how many one-hit wonders have we talked about on this podcast from Australia? And every single one of them, we walk away being like, yeah, their entire career is, is amazing. <laughs> like, I, I just think that the sense of humor that people have in that part of the world is just so much different than ours. And I love it. And it really comes through. And I watch so many Avalanche's music videos. They are so good especially yeah. the video for the song we're talking about today frontier psychiatrist that video is incredible that is like arguably like top 10 music videos for me it's such a smart and it's kind of like weirdly a simple idea punchline could make that video you know what i mean like it's like you just need like a black box theater and a bunch of friends and yeah. you can make that video <laughs> like, it's uh it really put me in the mind of mgmt has a video for your life is a lie where basically Every line of the song is its own mini music video almost. You know, there is something <laughs> just different and outlandish happening that goes along with every line of the song. And it is just such a, a joy to watch, man. The, <laughs> the, guy, the old guy's head on the turtle cracked me up every time. <laughs> the, the coconut puppet that like everything about this video is just awesome. It makes you like the song even that much more. And Matt, this song, you know, it is pretty Halloween-y. There is definitely a very, I don't know, spooky vibe to it. it almost, I mean, they even have yeah. like a ghost choir at one point in the music right. video. You know what I mean? Like it, it just, I wouldn't say that their whole album is like got that type of vibe, but this song is not out of place on like a Halloween playlist, I think. Like, so It so fits on a Halloween playlist. And Halloween playlist is sometimes hard. Like some of these songs that people think should be on a Halloween playlist are such a stretch. I was at my girlfriend's house the other day making little crafts and she put on a pre, someone made a Spotify Halloween playlist. She put it on and it was like, 75% of it was Michael Jackson songs. Like, yeah, Thriller and The Rockwell, Somebody's <laughs> Watching Me, those fit. But then it would be like, I was like, why is this nothing but Michael Jackson? Is is he that Halloween? There aren't really that many good Halloween songs out there. But this song does have a somewhat haunting, but at the same time, fun sound. If I had to describe it, it would be like, kind of like the end of the world, but if the end of the world was a really fun party. Yeah, it was a really good time. Yeah, you were going out with a bang. Let me ask you a question, because obviously this is a song where I don't really think we can break down the lyrics. Do you have a favorite moment in the song? Because I have one that's locked and loaded. Well, I I would have to think about that more or listen to it more. But the one thing that stood out to me, because I was like, yeah, this song doesn't have a chorus necessarily it doesn't have like something you could sing along to but the thing that stuck out to me the most was the that boy needs therapy line that was the thing that really stuck out the most and that and a lot of the other lines are from a sketch comedy show from canada called wayne and schuster that was from a specific sketch from that show called frontier psychiatrist that's where the actual name of the song came from and i tried to watch it it was very 
80s Canadian comedy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's kind of funny compared to how unfunny a lot of sketch comedy was when you go back and look at it in retrospect from the 70s and 80s. You know, Canada, much like we were talking about Australia, Canada kind of had its own sense of humor as well, which was pretty dry. If you watch some like old kids in the hall or whatever, it, it's it's hard to explain. It's like different than American stuff. They were on the anti-comedy game before America got onto that train a little bit. Like, right. there's a lot of stuff where it's like the joke is that this isn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I like, and I like that, you know, that's, that's what I've always liked. I think, <laughs> yeah, you have these people that it, it's a perfect example of why I don't like Jimmy Fallon. You know, yeah. it's like, Dude, could you be any more appealing to the masses with your comedy? <laughs> I mean, every once in a while he does do something that's funny. I like where he like recreated the King of Wishful Thinking video or whatever. Like I hate to say this because I am a Conan guy till my dying day. Yeah, but, yeah. But he was the appropriate person to replace Jay Leno. Like yeah. Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out. Yes, rock everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Going from Jay Leno to Conan O'Brien, I understand why that failed, because that is such a dramatic shift in, like, comedy. Versus like the Jay Leno to Jimmy Fallon, it's like, oh yeah, no, like this is the Big Bang Theory of like late night comedy sure. shows. I was gonna say the part that like the first time I heard this song shattered my brain, and mm. it's something that I think is missing in modern hip hop. And this isn't me like throwing a diss track <laughs> at at modern <laughs> hip hop at all. But the biggest thing that modern hip hop has been missing is like a fucking good ass DJ just scratching records. So when they do that set, that scene where the teacher says like, "Can you think of other things that talk besides a person?" and the kid says a bird, and then it is him scratching a record yeah. to sound like a bird squawk. I was like, "That is so cool! Like that is yeah. so so cool that people are that skilled with a record that they can make those types of noises just by like." scratching it and playing around with some faders and EQs a little bit to like get the right timbre of it. Right. And that's like, I used to love seeing any rapper live if they had a DJ. Cause I would just be watching like what their DJ was doing on stage. The record scratching thing may have gotten ruined by the late nineties rap rock. I guess, but, but the people that were really good at it and awesome at it. Yeah. It was an art form in itself. And it seems to have been lost lately. I mean, 
maybe I'm just not listening to the right stuff where it does still exist, but it is definitely an instrument. It is definitely an art when it's done right. And it's not just generic record scratches thrown in, in late nineties rap rock. Yeah. Yeah. Watch something like Mixmaster Mike's opening to like when the Beastie Boys got inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame. And you're just like, Holy shit. Like, like this dude just yeah. has two records and a switchboard and he is making music out of that. You know, Matt, I think a lot of people listening to this, if they are a listener to one hit thunder and they aren't the kind of people that only listen when they know the song, if you are listening to this, I would say take a couple minutes, pause this episode and watch this music video for sure and, and come back and you really appreciate what we're talking about here because it it is amazing and matt there's another music video which this was something i was going to bring up to you this one had twice as many youtube plays as frontier psychiatrist but it's a song called because i'm me it's the favorite of mine of the songs i heard from the avalanches so far and once again absolutely incredible music video and this one wasn't as much of plunder phonics as it was like an actual song. Yeah. Just amazing. Incredible. Once again, that may have been because here, here's a couple of reasons. A, it probably had more views for this reason as well, but the avalanches had a really weird career where, you know, they, they officially became the avalanches and say like late 97, early 98. And they went to work on their debut album. Since I left you, it took them almost two years to to fully assemble this collection of samples and, and get it how they wanted it. So that came out in 2000 and they waited five years before they started working on the follow-up album. And even back in 2005, they were saying that their hope was that the album was going to be a blend of samples as well as more live instrumentation. Mm. But then they started having kids and the band kind of broke up and everyone thought that was the end of the avalanches. But actually, in secret, for 10 years, they were working on their follow-up album. So I'm wondering if that track, A, probably came out, if it sounded more like a rock song, it probably was on the second album, Wildflowers, which like had a lot more live instrumentation on it. But also, it probably had way more YouTube views because it was released <laughs> when YouTube was a thing versus Frontier Psychiatrist, which was like an MTV2-type staple music video before you had something like YouTube to go and look up music videos. I can't confirm or deny that. I don't know what year these songs came. They seem like they're yeah. from the same era. I did see that giant gap in their their release dates. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what happened there. Everything I heard was great. I'm looking forward to, you know, I, I work out every day and put on music to get myself psyched up. I like to always be listening to new things. I'm very excited to just put on whatever the avalanches essentials playlist or something and dive in <laughs> one thing about this song matt and this will be a, a little bit of a segue into something i'd really like to talk about that's a little bit off topic but it's very halloweeny is there's the line in frontier psychiatrist where they say something about he's criminally insane or something like yeah. that this past weekend i took a trip and i would highly suggest that you do it or we can do it together sometime but went to the Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum in Weston, West Virginia. Have you ever heard of this place? No, I saw you post that picture and, and talked about it a little bit. Well, it's supposedly one of the ha most haunted places in America. I don't believe in ghosts, so the haunting part of it doesn't do anything for me personally. But it is, in a different aspect, a very haunting place. It is the most gigantic building you ever see in your life. It's set 
on 666 acres of land that just happened to be that way. And there's 13 buildings and it is the creepiest place you've ever been in your life. Like by far, it was a place where the most lobotomies were performed by Dr. Walter Freeman. Dr. Walter Freeman most famously performed the lobotomy of JFK's sister, Rosemary. The sense of malaise that I had over me when I left this place, how disturbing it is inside of this place. You know, it eventually became the Weston Hospital. That's what it was when it closed down in 1994. This place was still open until 1994. But the things that happened in this place are beyond anything I could even comprehend to think that they happened only 90 minutes from where I lived, but they were performing 30 lobotomies a day for anyone who's listening. A lobotomy would be you take an ice pick. The person, they, they don't even put the person under, they have an ice pick. They electroshock the person until they're kind of numb and take an ice pick under your, the top of your eye, pierce your skull and then sort of wiggle it around and scramble the front lobe of your brain until you either A, die, or B, become basically a vegetable. There are some that were lucky enough to actually like survive this, but it is the most barbaric thing yeah. imaginable. And this was actually the, the story behind, I mean, you could look it up on your own. We won't get into all the Rosemary Kennedy stuff about this, but she was just basically like a, a person who by no fault of her own, when she was born had some disabilities so that she would be like described by today's standards as like a high functioning autistic person, basically like Maybe someone she who didn't... has ADHD or, or any of those types of very manageable, treatable disorder, quote unquote yes. disorders. And her fucking piece of shit father signed for her when she was 22 years old to have a lobotomy because where she was at, she was escaping. She was like 21 or 22 years old escaping. And they said that she was going out and having sex with men. No, she's probably just being a 22 year old and not doing that. I feel like every once in a while you hear stories about these different places and then you're like, Oh, I wonder if that's the inspiration of blank. Was that season of American horror story called asylum inspired by this particular asylum? You know, I that was the last season of American Horror Story that I actually kind of liked. <laughs> yeah. And what I, I actually thought about that while I was there. And I would say that this place, being in this place and hearing some of the stories of what went down in this place were more fucked up than that show. Matt, there was a ward that was the adolescent ward. And it was for boys from the age 11 to 17. And they were way overcrowded. That's one of the main things about this place. It was so overcrowded and it was disgusting. And for an entire ward of hundreds of 11 to 17 year olds, there was a total of four books and four board games for them. So they were bored out of their minds and going insane and fighting each other and killing each other. And they showed us the windowsill where the kids would go and just stare out the window all day. And then you would see these deep grooves in the windowsill where while they stood, while they stared out the window, they would just dig with their fingers into the windowsill until they wore their fingers down to the bone, scratching at this windowsill. Ugh. Dude, Ugh. the stories of this place were just so disturbing, so fucked up. 
it's a historical place, and yeah, it gets popular around Halloween. It's supposedly very haunted. You can do the tour where they lock you in there from 9 p.m. till 5 a.m. in the dark with flashlights. I might be interested in doing that at some time, actually. I would have loved to have seen a ghost. They have all these stories about all these shadow figures and all these things, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. I've never yeah. seen it. I don't really believe in that shit, but I think the place itself is so disturbing to change the tone a little bit we are expecting a third avalanches album very soon oh, um, yeah? and they've released a couple singles including collaborations with rivers cuomo denzel curry tricky jamie xx and blood orange just to name a few of the people that they've been working with on this new album so i'm really interested to hear especially when you have Rivers Cuomo on one song and Denzel Curry on the other one. That's going to be a really interesting yeah. um, blend of sound. So I'm excited to see where they go with their their long-awaited third album. And then when you look at like, you know, this came out in 2000. This was the year of like music by Madonna. Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears and Beautiful Day by U2. Talk about a song that did not fit in. <laughs> With what was happening in the music world. That, what, was this on any sort of charts? Did this song chart at all? I think this was one of those songs where because of the music video and like MTV2 giving, because this was definitely when MTV wasn't playing music videos anymore. So if you wanted music videos, you went to MTV2. Mm -hmm. um, I think MTV2 did a lot of heavy lifting for this song. Okay. It was huge in like the UK. Like in the UK, it... it it was beloved by critics. Um, Pitchfork magazine gave it a 9.5 right out the gate, which is like insane for like Pitchfork, who's like, you know, notoriously curmudgeon-y. Pitchfork, shouldn't they be <laughs> like, shouldn't no one ever read that again? Shouldn't no one Probably. ever pay attention because of what they did recently with like revising their ratings of albums? Did you see that? Yeah, no, fuck that. You, that you that's, Yeah. That's ridiculous. You gave negative reviews on popular albums. Just live with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that they think they can change their, they can revise what they originally said. Like that's the most cheating ass thing I've ever heard in my life. Stand by what you said. You know, I know <laughs> I've seen like a bunch of things that they, in retrospect, oh, in retrospect, we were wrong about that. Yeah. That, yeah. that doesn't work. And like Rolling Stone occasionally does that, but nothing like too wild. I feel like they've been like, Hey, we gave this 2.5 stars, but like 20 years later, we're thinking maybe it was a three star album or something like that. Like, that's one thing. Pitchfork straight up will give like a one star review to like Weezer Pinkerton and write this long essay about why it's the biggest piece of trash that's ever been recorded. And then be like, sorry, oopsies, 10 out of 10, masterpiece, change the game. And it's like, yeah, no, that don't work. That does <laughs> no. not work. You can't jump nine star ratings. No, no, you can't do that. You can't do it. Frontier psychiatrist. I'm down with it, man. But one hit thunder or one hit blunder? Or do we need a third category for? Uh, just a good ass song. I'm going to say it's just a good ass song. I don't know if they're technically a one hit wonder or not. Or I mean, this definitely, if they are a one hit wonder, this definitely isn't their one hit. I'm sure Frankie Sinatra is a really great song too. I just haven't. I'm not familiar with that particular I listened to it. it. It's not as good as this one, but <laughs> I would say the avalanches are thunder. I would say that this song Frontier Psychiatrist is thunder. It will definitely be on any Halloween playlist I make moving forward. But I think the blunder comes in you choosing this song. For, yeah, I'll, for, I'll take it. And, and calling it a, a, a song that can be featured on one hit thunder. But, Matt, 
I got to give you at the same time, a big time thunder for exposing me to this awesome duo. So thank you for that. Uh, and yeah, I agree with all of your statements. <laughs> This has been One Hit Thunder. One Hit Thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of the band's Punchline Pack and Another Cheetah and produced by Matt Kelly of Geekscape.net. Underneath me, you're hearing Stop by Punchline off of their Rewind EP. Visit punchline.com for news, merch, and upcoming tour dates. In fact, Punchline is playing Anti-Fest on November 20th at the Roxanne Theater in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Come check out the show and say hello if you see us there. Do you want to hear your song on our show or have any interest in sponsoring an episode? Contact me at matt at geekscape.net for our rates. If you have any interest in podcasting, visit weknowpodcasting.com for how Matt and Chris can make your show sound as professional as possible. Let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at onehitthunderpodcast at gmail.com and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder. listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com. Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talked to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.